Hi, Pastor Rob here from City East Church and NTL Ministries. This sermon series is called Uncovering Religion. We live in a day where the world is saturated with contradictory faiths and beliefs. Can they all be right? Are they all wrong? As Christians, it is imperative that we understand something of what these religions teach and believe so that we can accurately discern right from wrong. Lord, we just welcome you now just to come upon us and help us to understand what the Spirit is saying to us today. And Lord, I I thank you for this message and I just pray that you'll um, help us to see clearly another deception that the the evil one is using to uh, influence millions of people on this planet. And uh, pray for the grace to reveal this message uh, to everyone here and so that you would anoint me and that you will be honoured and glorified in everything that is spoken today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, as you can see, it's uh, we're going to do Scientology. In the parable of the sower, who's read the parable of the sower in the Bible? In the parable of the sower, Jesus tells of a farmer who sows seed in a field. Some seed falls on, along the path, and he says that it's quickly eaten by the birds. And then he says in Luke eight twelve, he says, Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. What he's saying is that when you talk to someone about Jesus and they immediately reject Jesus, that's the devil stealing the word from their heart so that they won't be saved. Some seed falls on rocky places which spring up quickly. Uh, but it has no root, so it withers quickly. And Jesus said in Luke eight thirteen that those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. So they receive it with joy, quickly say, yes, this is the truth, but then wither because they don't have a root in the sense that they probably don't dig into the word of God and really grow in their new knowledge. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. When trouble and hardship comes... When things get tough in life, they quickly turn away from Jesus. Some seed also falls among thorns. And when the plant grows up, it gets choked by the thorns. And Jesus said in Luke 8.14, The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, by the worries of this life. And also they're deceived by riches and pleasures the pleasures that this life has to offer, and all the riches and the wealth and the money. And they do not mature. So they don't mature. You know, if we are a Christian long enough, we get to see all these kinds of people who once believed. How many of you can just sort of think just off the top of your head of a, a, a few? I know quite a few that have, have lived like that, that have received it with joy, but life's worries have choked them. They fall away because of the hardships they face in being a Christian. They fall away because of life's worries and stresses and they feel that they are let down by God. I know uh, quite a few that felt that God let them down. So rather than persist in prayer, they take to drugs again or they take to alcohol again. They fall away because of the riches that they thought God would give them, but they didn't see any of these riches. They fall away because of the sinful pleasure they used to enjoy and that pleasure seems so much more pleasurable than being a Christian. And so they lose their conscience and plunge themselves right back in to their old lives of sin. 
And that's where Jesus says, of them the proverbs are true, or 2 Peter says this, but it's a word from Jesus, a dog returns to its vomit and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. So to live a life of pleasure, sin and excess is easy and give most, gives most people a temporary fix. How easy is it to live in sin? It's much easier to go out, have a good time, get drunk, carry on like a nincompoop and go with whatever feels good. It's much easier than to have a conscience that guards and protects you from doing these things. So when you go to do them, you go, ah, I shouldn't do that. And then that limits you and you feel, I really want to do it, but I sort of I can feel this conscience, you know. And that's why sin is such a draw card. People want to get into it. Christianity is too hard for most people. So what many Christian movements have done is they make Christianity easier, don't they? They water down the gospel. And you know what? A watered down gospel is no gospel at all. It's just a watered down version of the real thing. It's like, have you ever, you know, we've got the real Bible, but have you ever seen a children's Bible? Would you sit there reading the children's Bible every night now? <laughs> it's a watered down version of the real thing. It doesn't give you the truth and the you won't grow from reading a children's Bible. A child might because it's designed for them. You know what I mean? And Christianity like that in these churches where they water down the gospel, make it seeker sensitive, they call it, is a watered down version of the real thing. It's not the truth. Could you say in a similar way for like adults, you know those books that are like devotional books that just have a verse in there for a day? That's all you're reading of the word. Yeah, you're not really getting much of the word. Yeah. yeah. That's right. So what has also happened in the last hundred years, we have seen a rise of new age religions, which have come along and taught people that what their itching ears want to hear. In the process of this we have seen many Christians deceived and lured away by by these cults. And Christians in the droves are falling to these cults. Did you know that? In America, there's an epidemic. Around the world, they say, with every Christian church it closes, two or three Muslim temples open. So there's a a huge advance of false religion coming and the true faith of Christianity is is withdrawing, is being pulled back. So we're at an epidemic. So just this week, I met with an old friend who was once a Christian, but turned from Christ because he didn't become wealthy. Since then, he's been deceived by the movie Zeitgeist. How many of you have seen Zeitgeist? I think Nick has. I think you have. Which I saw years ago, and I knew immediately that it was a lie. It was so clear and evident. Yet as a 10-year Christian, he did not have enough discernment to tell lies from truth. After 10 years, he watched Zeitgeist and got sucked into what that movie was teaching. He didn't have any discernment. And why? Because his ministers who, who gave him the gospel, or their version of the gospel, didn't teach him how to discern truth from lies. Also, he was deceived by a false prophet called Eckhart Tolle. Anyone heard of Eckhart Tolle? Yeah. Uh, who is Oprah's little guru priest. And he assists her in the American New Age deception. And Oprah has a church now. It's one of the largest churches in America. They have over a million people in her church. And it's a a huge 
deception of the of the truth. And she was actually raised, I think, in a Baptist church, but turned away from Jesus. Jesus said in Luke 8.15, But the seed on good soil, the seed that fell onto the good soil, stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word and retain it and by persevering produce a crop. So they hear the word, they retain the word, and they persevere and they produce a crop. As a farmer of crops is, a pastor is, to watch over his fields. So that's how I see you guys are like a field, a small field. God's given me a little field. Go out there and, and look after it. And for, as a farmer would, I've got to protect you guys from insects, disease, things that destroy crops. A farmer also prays for the right conditions of sun and rain. Like a good farmer will actually pray for rain in the right time and he'll pray for sun at the right time and so that the natural disasters don't come along and destroy his crops. One of the things probably in the problems with the Australian farmers maybe is a huge atheist movement in farming in the farmers. Well, that could be a, a worthwhile bit of research. How many of these farmers are atheists? And if so, they're not praying to God for their, their help. I'm not saying that's true or not. I'm just It's an interesting thing to maybe look into. He also is to provide watering at the correct time as well as fertiliser. So that's, that's sort of my job, isn't it? As a pastor is to water you, know, you fertilise you, make sure you grow the right way and come up nice and strong. So in this sense, the Truth, Judgment and Eternity series is like watering and fertilising. It's helping you to grow. And also the uh, Uncovering Religion series is the protection from disease and pests and the storms in life. You know, a, a good, strong farm, like with good, strong plants, they can resist pretty heavy storms. I know in my own garden, if, if I've got a good, strong plant and there's a real windy night, I can sort of just know that it'll probably still be standing strong the next day. But if the, if the plant's not growing well, if I haven't gone around and, you know, hoed and given it heaps of fertiliser and made it grow strong and maybe padded the roots in at times and, and done all that, then I'll be worried that everything's going to be <laughs> laying flat on the ground the next day. So if we, if we grow strong, we can withstand some severe tests and trials. Okay, Scientology. Scientology was founded in 1953 by a fictional author, L. Ron Hubbard. Just four years after he made the statement, and he, this was a documented statement, I'd like to start a religion because that's where the money is. <laughs> four years later, bang, the Church of Scientology came into existence. I'll be drawing some of the uh, following information from a book which is down here, this book called A Pocket Guide to Sex and Religions by Nigel Scotland. Also, I found a really good uh, website article in gotquestions.org plus a number of other research documents because I, I sort of scattered through the internet, a little bit of Wikipedia, that sort of stuff. And uh, But according to my research, Scientology is basically Hinduism under a new guise, under a new covering. Uh, in essence, it's just another New Age cult with a different way of doing it. And I'll explain what that difference is. Here he is. Lafayette Ron Hubbard. He launched his career as a pulp fiction writer. Pulp fiction. Pulp fiction is a term which originated from the magazines of the first half of the 20th century, which were printed on cheap pulp paper. 
and they publish fantastic escapist fiction for the general entertainment of the mass audiences. The Pulp Fiction era provided a breeding ground for creative talent which would influence all forms of entertainment for decades to come. After establishing himself as a writer who was best known for his science fiction and fantasy stories, he developed a self-help system called Dianetics, which he published in 1950. So he was a fictional author, fantastic fiction, crazy outlandish stuff. Within three years, he subsequently developed his ideas into a wide-ranging set of doctrines and rituals as part of a new religious movement that he called Scientology. His writings became the guiding text for the Church of Scientology and a number of affiliated organisations that address such diverse topics as business administration, there you go, literacy and drug rehabilitation. Now, the following video I'm going to play gives us an idea of what L. Ron Hubbard believed. Now, keep in mind, if this is true, because I tried to research, does he actually believe this stuff? And from my research, he does believe this is like their Genesis account. You know, we got our Genesis account of how seven-day creation. So, I, from like I said, from my research, this is I found this is what he actually believes. But a lot of Scientologists don't agree that he believes this. But it's in his writings, whether it's in his pulp fiction writings or his Dianetic writings. But he does discuss this, and the the whole Scientology comes out of this type of mindset. Okay. I'm still, without enough research, that is what I have read that they believe. And South Park made, obviously, a comical um, uh, visual of it, but it's still ridiculous to think that that could be how we all began. L. Ron Hubbard said, Scientology means knowing in the fullest sense. So Scientology provides a route which can show you where you are. And ultimately, Scientology will give you a renewed awareness of self as a spiritual and immortal being. Now, Scientology teaches that the mind is divided into two, with an analytical function and a reactive function. The analytical part perceives, remembers, and it conducts the reasoning processes and resolves problems. That's what the the analytical part does. The reactive mind is more passive and subconsciously receives and stores harmful experiences that L. Ron Hubbard called engrams. Engrams are stored in and these are things that have damaged our mental health, which in turn affect our physical and emotional well-being. When a person is fully conscious, the analytical mind is in command of the situation. But when an individual is only partly conscious due to grief, pain, shock and illness, the reactive mind cuts in. So if you're suffering grief, pain or shock, illness or anything, you know, that's making us a, uh, only partly conscious. And therefore, we don't think right. All these engrams are stored away and result in emotional damage. Uh, the aim of Scientology is to remove all the harmful engrams from the client. That's what they do. That's what you pay for when you go to Scientology is to, for engrams to be removed from you. From you. And all those who have been completely cleared of engrams are called a clear. And here is an example of a clear. Yeah. Negative engrams are the reason behind the wives of Scientologists having silent births. 
impossible. That's an impossible thing. Well, for you, maybe. (laughs) They do not want any loud shrieks and wails of their wives to affect the newborn child and create in them negative engrams which may affect their futures. In order to identify engrams, Scientology practitioners referred to as auditors engage in pre-clears, a series of counselling sessions. So we're all called pre-clears. We're pre-being clear. So during the sessions, the auditors use a battery-operated e-meter or an electro-psychometer. The device consists of two small cylinders, which the client holds in his or her hands. The concept is that when the auditor... Auditor, I like that name. The concept is that when the auditor touches an emotionally sensitive area of the client's life, his or her body temperature will change and cause the needle to move up the scale. Uh, this is taken to indicate the presence of an engram. Sounds like a lie detector. Yeah, it's like a lie detector. Yeah. So, uh, which can be eliminated by further counselling and drills. So they eliminate these engrams. Essentially, it is by confronting the engram that the person's memory bin, memory bin, is cleared. Sort of like in a computer, you know, empty trash. Individuals often are confronted on the street, and when they read an ad in a magazine, they are encouraged to have a free e-meter test. Free, well, the first one. The results of an e-meter test are shown to the client in a printout on a graph, and then they are encouraged to take the counselling courses to be free from engrams which lie dormant in them. These courses are quite costly. Who's that? Tom Cruise No. George Bolt. Yes. In America, the fees to becoming a clear can be upwards of $4,000. Beyond clear, there is a whole series of higher levels which can be undertaken, such as the clear certainty rundown. These are the more expensive and culminate in the bridge to total freedom. So Scientology teaches that mankind is an immortal being called a thetan. You know, like those little creatures. Not originally from this planet. Man is trapped by matter, energy, space and time. M-E-S-T. Salvation for a Scientologist comes through a process called auditing, whereby engrams, which are the memories of past pain and unconsciousness that created energy blockage, and these things are removed. When all engrams are finally removed, the thetan can once again control M-E-S-T, instead of being controlled by it. Until salvation, each Thetan is constantly reincarnated. So until you receive uh, salvation and you clear all your engrams, you've got to keep getting reincarnated, going through the process. Scientology is very expensive, and it's a very expensive religion to pursue. Every aspect of Scientology is some sort of fee associated with it. That is why Scientology pews are filled with only the with the wealthy. It is also a very strict religion and very punitive, and punitive means they inflict punishment on you if you, in some form, if you try to leave. Its scriptures are limited solely to the writings and teachings of L. Ron Hubbard, so he is their authority. Scientology categorically denies the existence of the God of the Bible, heaven and hell. To a Scientologist, Jesus Christ was simply a good teacher who unfortunately was wrongfully put to death. Scientology differs from biblical Christianity on every important doctrine. The doctrine of God. Scientology believes that there are multiple gods. That's polytheism, isn't it? Or Hinduism. And that some gods are above other gods. 
that some gods are greater and there's lesser gods. Biblical Christianity, on the other hand, recognizes that the one and only true God who revealed himself to us in the Bible and through Jesus Christ. Those who believe in the Christian God cannot believe the false concept of God as taught in Scientology. You can't believe in Scientology and be a Christian. However, they'll try to tell you that they line up with Christianity, but it's not true. When they talk about Jesus Christ, Scientology, of course, denies the deity of Christ, that he is the Son of God. Instead of having a biblical view of who Christ is and what he did, they assign him to the characteristics of some sort of a lesser God who has obtained legendary status. However, the Bible clearly teaches us that Jesus is God in the flesh. Is that right? And that through Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection that we can have it, hope to have eternal life with God. And that's according to the scripture of John 3.16. It's doctrines of sin. Actually, they don't have a doctrine on sin. Scientology believes in the inerrant goodness of man and teaches that it is despicable and utterly beneath contempt to tell a man he must repent and that he is evil. Imagine going into Charles Manson as a Scientologist and you, he, he talks in his evil discourses and you can't tell him that that's evil and you, that you're living out an evil existence and you need to repent of your terrible murders. On the other hand, the Bible teaches that man is a sinner and the only hope for him is that he receive Christ as Lord and Saviour. But they must be very conceited. It's a self-God thing. If you become a clear, you become a God. The doctrine of salvation. Scientology believes in reincarnation and that personal salvation in one's lifetime is freedom from the cycle of birth and death associated with reincarnation. They believe that religious practice of all faiths a universal way to wisdom and understanding and salvation. So now they believe in all faiths, of course, except <laughs> true Christianity, but all the others are good. That, to me, is just the sign of that Christianity is the truth. Anyway, they believe that all faiths is a universal way to wisdom, understanding and salvation. In contrast, the Bible teaches that there is only one way of salvation, and that is through Jesus Christ. And what did Jesus say? I am the way, way truth, and life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Mm. John 14, 6. Yeah, you're all on the ball. Hubbard claims I had visited heaven, but he doesn't believe in heaven. And this is why he doesn't believe in heaven. The following extract is taken from a bulletin which Hubbard put out in on the 5th of January, 1963. Uh, Scientologists deny that this was written by him. Yet it was an article that was pr produced by his organisation. On his second visit to heaven, a trillion years later, so his first one was a trillion years earlier, so it was obviously a time-related thing, Hubbard, Hubbard noticed marked changes. The place is shabby. The vegetation is gone. The pillars are scruffy. The saints have vanished. So have the angels. A sign on one side, the left as you enter, says this is heaven. The right has a sign as well, which is hell with an arrow and the inside the grounds one can see the excavations like archaeological diggings with raw terraces that lead to hell. Plain wire fencing encloses the place. There is a sentry box and a sentry box is where soldiers stand uh, beside the outside the right pillar. It's a good hope, isn't it? Yeah. You know what? The followers of Elrond Hubbard must be confused. 
They must always be wondering, is this story he is telling us the truth or is it just another Pulp Fiction fantasy idea? Right out of a comic book. Right out of a comic book. You know what? I believe L. Ron Hubbard was so delusional that he himself could no longer tell fiction from reality. And the sad thing is, he's deluded a whole heap of people with him. Millions. Hubbard cleverly disguised a new age form of Hinduism under the deceptive smokescreen of a church called Scientology. And like any new age cult in the world, which tells them that they are not sinners and that they are gods and cleared of all past stuff, which affects their lives, the multitudes run after it. Is that true? Yeah. It's nice to be told, you know, you're a god. You're, you're perfect now. Don't worry, go out there and just make a success of yourself. But we have to be discerning and know that there is only one way to eternal life and that is through Jesus. And we must acknowledge that we are not perfect and are sinners in need of salvation. And you know what? You know why that's hard for Tom Cruise and John Travolta? It's because it's humbling. And there's no place for humbleness in their industry and in what they do. If they don't think that they are the greatest thing since sliced bread, they're not going to keep their status, you know, keep their level in, in Hollywood. So they have to keep on pumping themselves up, making them feel like they have got it all together. So next week we're going to be having a Easter Sunday service and in it we'll be impacted by the deeper meanings behind his death and resurrection and we'll be in awe of his great sacrifice that he made for men and women. In two weeks' time, I intend to cover a phenomenon which is a recent theory which has surfaced of which I'll call the many Christ theory, made popular through the Zeitgeist movie. And the basic theory promulgated is that Osiris, the sun god of Egypt, Krishna, the god of India, Dionysius of Greece, Mithra of Persia, and other saviors from all over the world all had the same history as Jesus, the same life events, the same death, and the same resurrection as Jesus. Mm. My basic problem with this Zeitgeist theory is the fact that it was made up for one purpose alone, to discredit Christ and true Christianity. That's its only motive. And the problem is, is millions and millions of people are running after that, thinking it is true. There's an actual massive following. They've got a zeitgeist organisation. It's all over the world. Every country has one. And he's made, I think, about three or four videos now. He did zeitgeist and zeitgeist addendum. They believe that what Peter Joseph is saying is correctly researched and true. But I'm going to prove to you and that there's no scholar, true scholar on earth that knows of the history of Egypt and the history of India and, um, and where else, Persia, Greece, no scholar will tell you that what he's saying is the actual true account of them, that they were born on the 25th of December and that he died and, and, and was resurrected, that he was born of a virgin. All the scholars will tell you, no, that's not the story. They weren't born of virgins. That was never the case with any of these guys. And so I'm going to present that to you. So, no, it's not so much a religion. It's just basically a, it's a mindset that people have. And it, it gives them more fuel to deny Jesus and turn away from him. And you'll get confronted with I've been confronted with it probably three or four occasions now. And because I don't have all the facts in my head on, the, on my lips so I can present the truth to them, it's very hard for me to combat it. And then they say things like this. Well, what makes you think your research is true that you've done that discredits this guy's research? 
Well, the fact that every scholar on earth <laughs> discredits this guy's research is probably one of the reasons, as well as the actual true historical account of these supposed gods and, and what they, those societies, how they venerated them. They never venerated them as virgin-born. They never venerated them as resurrected from the dead. This is just a made-up thing. The gods? Yeah, yeah. But historically, they were thought of in a certain light. And this guy has gone and said that the light that they were all thought of is the exact same light as what Jesus is thought of today. Mm-hmm.